You're listening to Hello Vancouver. I'm your host, Temple Lentz. Thanks for listening. Ballots for the November election have just arrived, and the hottest race going in southwest Washington is the race to elect a new commissioner for the Port of Vancouver. While port races are usually pretty sleepy affairs, the Port of Vancouver race became politically charged two years ago, and is even more so this year. The difference was that Tesoro and Savage Oil Companies signed a lease with the port a few years ago to build the largest oil-by-rail transfer terminal in the United States. They formed a limited liability company, Vancouver Energy, and the process is now under evaluation at the state level. The Port of Vancouver Commission has only three seats. Two years ago, Washington conservation voters stepped forward to help anti-oil terminal candidate Eric LeBrant win his race against the pro-oil candidate. The oil company at that time did not put a lot of support behind the pro-oil candidate. This year, however, the oil company has backed Chris Green. His opponent, Don Orange, is adamantly anti-oil terminal and has recently received large support from Washington conservation voters, just like LeBrant did two years ago. For this show, I interviewed Green and Orange separately. In this episode, we'll air the interview with Orange. Last week, we aired the interview with Green. At the time we recorded this interview, Green had received just under $250,000 in campaign donations from the oil company. Orange's donations from conservation voters had not yet appeared in public disclosure records. As I record this intro on October 22nd, Green's donations from the oil company now total $370,000 in cash donations, which is 87% of his total campaign funding. He has also received $160,000 in in-kind television ads from the Enterprise Washington PAC, a pro-corporate lobbying group. Orange has received about $100,000 in regular campaign donations from individuals and about $290,000 in in-kind donations from Washington conservation voters. They've articulated these to be voter turnout, doorbelling, and that sort of thing. The Columbia newspaper has also been closely investigating this race, and their excellent reporting recently has revealed a few things. A local citizen who was volunteering with the Green campaign brought a lawsuit against Don Orange, alleging that he was not a resident of the district. Green's campaign claimed to have no part of that effort, but leaked emails have revealed that they were indeed closely involved. Similarly, Green has claimed that the oil company is not an integral part of his campaign, but those same leaked emails have indicated that the campaign was indeed taking direction from the company that is funding the lion's share of his campaign. And some of his recent campaign expenditures show thousands of dollars in lodging for out-of-town consulting. Here's the interview with Don Orange. I'm joined now by Don Orange, who is a candidate for commissioner for the Port of Vancouver. Hi, Don. Good morning. How are you, Temple? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. So we are recording this in the beginning of October. We're coming into the home stretch of the race. We, uh, Don and I talked uh, for an interview a few months ago before the primary, but there actually wasn't a primary election for this race. It's just two candidates. So, Don, uh, we're about a month away from the election. And just to refresh voters' memories, voter pamphlets are coming out soon so they can read for themselves. But who are you and why are you running for port? Well, I'm a small business owner uh, with a small business that's about a mile from the port. Um, and the port uh, came to my attention when the oil terminal was proposed a few years back. It's at a time I've been involved in local issues uh, for quite some time, and I think a small business owner should be. Um, and Clark County's had its other problems in 
non-transparent government. When I heard about what was going on at the port, the oil terminal that was being proposed, we all burn oil uh, in our cars at this point. And I thought, well, is this a bad thing or is this uh, serving the public's needs? And then I realized or learned, and it was not well publicized, that this terminal is designed to pass through more oil and bring down the gorge, the Columbia Gorge, more oil than the states of Oregon and Washington use together. It is not designed for us. It's designed to go out onto the Pacific Ocean to be transloaded onto uh, tankers to go down the Columbia River. It is a threat to our safety. It's a threat to our environment. It's also a threat to our business culture and our branding as Vancouver. Um, it is it is not a good thing for business. Over 100 small businesses came out against the oil terminal. The port is an awesome asset that belongs to us and should be used to develop job opportunities, should be used for job training opportunities, for apprenticeships, for building things. Vancouver is horribly short of industrial sites that are developed for uh, light manufacturing, for warehousing, and other and businesses pass us up for that reason. We need to be actively involved in that. We need to be involved in in attracting clean clean industries to our port that are not a threat to our community. And the oil that you're talking about is the uh, Tesoro Savage, now known as Vancouver Energy uh, Transfer Terminal, that would be the largest train transfer terminal in the country and has been in the works for a few years now. Uh, and through your campaigning, through your activism in the community, you have very clearly uh, come out as a candidate against that oil terminal. Um, what else, as far as other, uh, when you talk about other things that the port could be doing, uh, say the oh, terminal doesn't go through. Oh, good what? heavens. This is, the, this is the most prime industrial land in southwest Washington, at least. This is awesome rail. Uh, this is this is a mile from I-5. This is this is a block from the river. This is absolutely awesome territory. We can use this thing for a grain terminal. We can use it for roll-on, roll-off freight from uh, from shipping. Uh, when I say roll-on, roll-off freight, I mean like earth movers that might come out of the Midwest and be transloaded onto uh, onto our ships. We have a brake bulk terminal, which is quite different than a container terminal. And we've got probably some of the best longshore uh, in the country down there that's been handling our wind parts, that's been, that um, already is serving in the grain industry. Uh, also, when I say roll on, roll off, the auto industry is going to change and it is continuously changing. We are, uh, they do a great job down there with Subarus uh, coming into this country. There's, there's a great opportunity that we could be uh, offloading cars made in the Midwest to go back onto ships to go out into the world. The, the way that cars are built and the kind of cars being built in the shipping channels is changing constantly. Vancouver's port is going to be a solid economic driver. Uh, what we're talking about in an oil terminal is taking one of the best industrial sites in the country and putting it to work in a very dangerous way 
and for a very few jobs. Uh, the number of permanent jobs is it bounced around and then it's multiplied over and over again in funny ways. But the, the oil company has said that they intend to hire 72 to something between 72 and 176 permanent workers. And they have not guaranteed that they're even going to go to those numbers. This is uh, in the neighborhood of about two or three workers per acre, which is very, very light um, economic development. So talk a bit about what you see the role of a port commissioner to be. Like, what is the job of a port commissioner? Because until this oil terminal came to town, the port race was one of the lowest profile races. And most people didn't even know we had a port, let alone port commissioners. So what's a port commissioner do? Most of us live really busy lives. And, and we're not paying as much attention as we should be to our school boards, to our uh, wastewater, and particularly to our port. And the port commissioner's job is to, to hire and manage the port director and to, to give the port director marching orders as to what and the port commissioner's job is to listen to the community, is to represent the community. The community owns the port. The port is designed for economic growth, but the port is also. We, we own three square miles of awesome property down there, and it needs to be operated in a way that's friendly to the community, that represents our community values. One of the things about the port building an oil terminal down there is that it becomes what I call an attractive nuisance that draws 175,000 train cars hauling explosive cargo right through the middle of communities such as Washougal and Camas and East Vancouver and Spokane and Stevenson. The, the, the tribes that fish along the Columbia River have begged us not to do this, have shown up. The fire chief uh, of, of one of the gorge towns came down and just begged the, the port not to do this because besides the danger right at the port of Vancouver, which is very real, this represents a danger to all the towns down through, clear, coming clear from the Great Divide, coming, coming across the state of Washington and beyond. While this thing has a very, very small economic benefit for Vancouver, it threatens the economies of those places. It threatens where the windsurfers are, are uh, playing out in the gorge. It also threatens our businesses along the Columbia River. It, uh, putting this thing in right next to a billion-dollar uh, waterfront development is, to my, uh, to my mind, nonsensical. One of the things that proponents of the oil terminal have mentioned is that, you know, at least if it comes here, because it's going to go somewhere else, which means those trains will go through here anyway. So if not, you know, why not here if, if it's going to be somewhere else? It, uh, there is not a somewhere else. Right now we have 14 to 18 rail car uh, unit trains a week coming through Vancouver. We've seen them. And they, yes, they're a danger. Uh, and they are going somewhere else. They are going north to Tacoma, uh, north to Anacortes, and so on. Uh, this will triple the number of those cars. There is not a facility north of here ready to do that. And if there was, uh, they would be shipping that stuff right now. This will triple the output. 
What about the argument that say, so say it doesn't land here, that they will go, they'll, they'll take this project somewhere else. They have uh, proposed these projects at various places uh, along along the Columbia River, along the uh, in Grays Harbor, Washington, and so on. Communities up and down the state and also in Oregon have stood up against this. The entire city council of Seattle said <clears throat> says no, not only to uh, uh, something like this in Seattle, but they specifically have asked us not to do this. The city of Portland has specifically said no more fossil fuel infrastructure in their city. Uh, these things have been turned down by communities all around. They thought Vancouver uh, wasn't paying attention. So what in your background should recommend you to folks to be a port commissioner? Tell us a little bit more about you and uh, why you're su suited for this job. I think I would, uh, I would say that I've been a small businessman all my life. Um, I uh, have a great deal of respect for the community. I have a great deal of respect for the people that are working down there, uh, which are the, the longshoremen. I have a great deal of respect for the firefighters who have come out absolutely against this terminal on a state level and on a local level. I, I believe in having a solid business culture Many, many, many small businesses have come out against this. Actually, many, many, many regional businesses have come out against this. This is in the interest of one of the biggest oil companies in the country. I am small business. I am not, uh, I am not corporate. And when I say corporate, I'm not uh, part of a multinational outfit or what have you. And I'm ready to listen to people. And people have talked to me about things they'd like to see at the port. Uh, business people uh, in this town that would like to be working with the port on on either rail-friendly businesses or other businesses. The port has no warehousing or light industrial rent right now. Uh, I think I can be. Uh, I'm I'm also active in the community in everything from Kiwanis to being a part of, I'm going to miss my battleground auto advisory uh, role this week because I'm in a debate with my opponent at exactly the same time on Thursday night that, uh, that the battleground auto advisory group meets. And uh, that's a group that I was talking to the teacher of uh, Prairie High School Auto Club last night. And that's a group that uh, we need to be really dynamic because the cars are changing so incredibly fast. Uh, business will be changing. Uh, the, the port needs to be dynamic. So I'm going to use the fact that you just mentioned Battleground as the segue into my next question, which is about residents. So one of the things that has hit the news about, uh, about this race, uh, because I mean, it's actually a pretty quiet election year. So your race is the highlighted race. It is the one that is getting the most attention, uh, even in our modest media market. And uh, one of the things that has come forward is that you uh, moved to run for this seat because you didn't live inside the port district that you're running for. Can you speak, which is not unprecedented. Other people have moved uh, to run for office before. Uh, but can you speak a little bit to why you chose to move for this race and some of the flack that you're getting for it? I chose to move for this race because I think it's really important I live uh, a mile north of the port district. 
Um, and when I mentioned Battleground School District, a big chunk of Battleground School District is within the port. I work a mile from the port. Uh, my customers, I go to church uh, three blocks from where my opponent does um, uh, in, in Port District. Uh, I think it's Port District 2 up there. Um, and I, I have lived within a short distance of Columbia River my entire life. The first half over in Portland and the second half over here. I work walking distance from the port. I will walk to the port meeting this morning. Um, the port has a serious effect on people all around this community. And as I was talking a moment ago, on, on people a long way, people and other things a long way from this community. I don't know. I moved two months before the, the filing. Um, the current port commissioner, uh, Brian Wolf, did exactly the same thing. The current um, the current representative from this area, a woman named Monica Stonier, moved to the 49th district uh, before the election. This is not this is not unprecedented. I didn't move here from uh, from Timbuktu. I've been involved in going to port meetings for the last several years. I've been involved in business activities in this area for many, many years. Um, uh, my, my, uh, everything from my Kiwanis Club to my church meet in the Port District, and uh, I, I feel very much a part of this community, and I don't apologize. I will say I've been attacked by my opponent's campaign. My marriage has been questioned. I think I've been drug into court twice. I think it's a lot of foolishness. I think it's being paid for by the oil company. The person that uh, is leading this has questioned one other voters, um, is the only person in the county that's ever, in the last 18 years, questioned any voters' registration. It was a woman who she said was not a citizen of the United States that she met doorbelling. Uh, I feel like I've been stalked and harassed and drug into court. I don't think it's a decent way to run a campaign. Uh, my understanding is that she is an extremely important part of his campaign. The campaign managers and all have shown up at these court appearances. Um, and my, my uh, opponent has questioned this. I, according to the county auditor, who is a Republican, I might add, in order to find that I wasn't doing what I, in order to find that I wasn't properly residing here, he would have to find that I perjured myself, that my wife perjured herself, that my next door neighbor perjured himself in a conspiracy, and that there was no evidence at all presented to this, and there is no conspiracy. I moved for the purpose of this. I slept in that bed last night, um, and I, uh, I don't think this is, I'm not attacking my, my, um, my opponent's character. Uh, I think he's probably a decent man. I don't appreciate that their campaign is attacking mine. It does seem sort of a sign of the times that uh, when there are actual issues to be talking about, these are the sorts of things that, that come into the news. And though brought up by the media here, I asked you about it. I know that it is, I know that it's a subject that's, I didn't uh, 
bring this up. I think it's it's my definition of a frivolous lawsuit. It was dismissed by the first court, and it was thrown out by the second venue that they took us to. Um, it distracted from our attention toward the campaign. It was designed to try to kick me off the ballot instead of running against us, which means that we must be having an effective campaign, which is also, I think, why the oil company has absolutely opened the floodgates. And they haven't even said they've stopped uh, dumping money into my opponent's campaign. People, uh, my opponent likes to say that I'm a single-issue candidate. Um, I think he's bought and paid for by the oil company. And so I think that's pretty close to being single issue. Well, on to move on to talking about campaign finance, the port race or the port the port uh, positions are an interesting anomaly in Washington state, whereas we have campaign contribution limits in pretty much every race, port commission races don't have those same caps on them. So whereas somebody is limited, in somebody and companies are limited in the amount they can give, say, to legislative candidates, to port commission candidates, it's a, it's a free-for-all. And we have seen just recently that your opponent has received, I believe it is now, as of October 10th, uh, at about $230,000 from uh, solely from the oil companies. I was looking at the public disclosure records for your campaign and through August, which is all that's online and available right now, uh, you've raised about $90,000. And uh, it appears, can you talk a little bit about where your funds have come from? Um, There's about 500 donors, almost all of them local, uh, with certain exceptions, including my sister from Mobile, Alabama, (laughs) who just dodged a hurricane. the, the, there's about 500 donors who have given about 650 contributions the last time I looked. Uh, they're deeply appreciated. We're having trouble paying these legal fees that I was telling you about. Um, there's, there's, uh, they're mostly, well, obviously, if you've got about 650 contributions making up $90,000, you can do the math, and that's they're generous contributions. These people, some of these people are given a day's pay. Some of these people are given a week's pay because they care about the Columbia River. And uh, I think it's worth saying, because in today's news, uh, it looks like the cleanup of the Willamette River may or may not even happen, and it's been being polluted for 100 years. If we destroy the Columbia River, uh, will it ever get cleaned up, and and what will the politics of that be? Uh, it won't be cleaned up by the oil company because they have set up a limited liability company called Vancouver Energy to to keep from getting into the deeper pockets of the the oil company. Um, I'm really proud of what we've done raising money. It isn't we're not going to win this thing on on money. We're knocking on doors. We're talking to folks. Um, if money wins this race, we will not. And if the oil company is able to use this loophole and buy this election, it will certainly change Clark County politics forever. This is this is certainly, if my opponent wins and is able to land the oil company uh, here, it will be a case of the biggest tenant of the port um, buying the election. Uh, and I think it's a really bad precedent. 
It is interesting doing a little bit of a comparison on the funding. Uh, your opponent is at around 280, 290, somewhere in there, uh, thousand. And you're, like we said, at 90,000. Uh, but if we remove the 230,000 from, uh, from his coffers that was given by the oil company, you would, if it was down to that, you would actually be ahead in fundraising. And I do think it was very telling that looking at it, the majority of your donors, uh, are, and by majority, I mean, seven eighths, eight ninths, something like that under a thousand dollars. And they're all, they are looking through verifying that list. They are, uh, very local. Um, what other kinds of support are you getting? You have the support of oh. citizens and individuals. What else? Oh, we've got we've got some of the labor unions, uh, we've got uh, environmental uh, groups, we've got we've got uh, quite a bit of business support in town. Uh, one of the things that's really exciting uh, there's there's people coming out to knock on doors for us in droves. We're we're challenged to manage manage that and get enough literature into their hands and, and maps to go out knocking on doors. Um, I'm, I'm excited by if, if, a, if a grassroots campaign can win against big money, uh, it'll be this one. Um, and I'm, I'm totally excited. I'm a little tired, but I'm really, uh, I've, I've not seen much like this. This is more of a, a movement, um, and and it's time that the people's voices are heard down at the port. I I saw a commercial, um, an ad the other day that said that my opponent was endorsed by every port commissioner, uh, with the exception of Eric LeBrant, over the last few years. These are the same commissioners who voted to double the port tax a few years ago uh, on homeowners. And that they, they, um, some of them were put out for that. This is, these are the same commissioners who voted to do this deal with the oil company, uh, and and the commission has been drug into court over it because the lease was largely redacted. This is uh, I'm proud to be on the um, on the grassroots side of this, on the outside, um, trying to get the people's voice in there. Um, the port belongs to the people. I'd like to, to tell anybody if they want more about our campaign, please go to donorange.com. If you want to volunteer, if you want to learn about our positions, we haven't spent much time here today talking about the issues of, of driving. And this port has property and this port has authority to drive jobs not only at the port, but in the eastern part of the port district, in the, on the Chalachi Prairie Railroad, which is within the port district, which is out here along St. John's, St. John's uh, Road, and uh, that that runs that needs to be available for people that want to make jobs in Clark County, so less people have to drive across that bridge. Well, Don Orange, thank you. And what is the website where they can go for more information again? DonOrange.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking time. Vancouver voters, ballots are on their way to you. So uh, the choice is yours. Don, thanks for taking some time with us today. Thank you, Temple. We appreciate it. And that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Temple Lentz, and this has been Hello Vancouver. To find out more about Hello Vancouver, visit our website, hellovancouver.us. 
and be sure to check out our live stage shows in Vancouver, Washington every other month. Hello Vancouver is produced by High Five Media.